0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast of the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. That is. <laughs> um, today, I've got a special guest on the podcast who I connected with a few weeks ago. Uh, I actually was a guest on her podcast, and we just really hit it off. And I loved just the her approach to her business and how much she really shows up as her authentic self. And we got talking on her podcast about You know, allowing ourselves to do it our way and allowing ourselves to trust our own creativity, our own intuitive nudges and putting who we are out there to the world and how ultimately that's our access to success. And I know that this is something that I've talked about not uh, not long ago. I mean, I've been talking about this. You know, for ages, but especially I've been really been focusing focusing on it recently in terms of what is your magic. So today's guest, uh, she is an expert on this. Her name is Annie P. Ruggles, and for almost a decade, Annie has harnessed her Hulk-like disdain for hard sales, tacky self-promotion, and overly competitive sleaze balls as inspiration to help people find better ways to grow their small businesses. As the founder of the non-sleazy Sales Academy, she's guided hundreds of people toward making deeper connections lasting impressions, and friendlier, more lucrative transactions and conversations. Annie is the host of Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin available wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, as I said, I was a guest on her podcast and I was really inspired by the way she approached just the podcast episode itself. It was unlike any other podcast episode I'd ever prepared myself for uh, or been interviewed on before and uh just talking to her she has such a liveliness to her and her message really aligns with mine when it comes to helping business owners to i call it the aligned business method and the aligned marketing you know an aligned marketing strategy and what that means is really just One that is based in belief, in authenticity, in what feels good to you as the business owner. And Annie really dives into all of these things to a whole nother level. I love this conversation. I love Annie's energy. And uh, I hope you guys take some inspiration from today's episode because I know that I certainly did. Uh, And particularly in just allowing ourselves to be us and sharing our light and our magic and letting that be the thing that you know has us manifest the most abundant lives that we could possibly ask for. That's what it's all about. You get to have it all just by being you. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with Annie P. Ruggles. You're listening to the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Saunders. I'm a business and manifestation mentor for modern entrepreneurs who know that deep down, there's a better, smarter, and easier way to manifest the next level of success they desire. On this podcast, we explore a very different approach to growing your business and income quickly, and it has nothing to do with hustling hard or discovering the perfect marketing strategy. By understanding the power of my thoughts and training myself to think in energetic alignment with the reality that I desired, I went from teacher to 20 and $30,000 months in just two years in my online business. If there's one thing I know to be true it's that we're each vastly capable of creating hugely successful businesses that light us up and set us free. I'm here to share with you the knowledge and strategies needed to manifest the success you want. I truly believe that you can become create and achieve anything you desire and it's just a matter of changing your thoughts in order to change your life. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be welcoming today's uh, guest. Her name is Annie. Welcome, Annie, to The Aligned Entrepreneur. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And um, yeah, we are just discussing uh, um, issues with the, with the technology, with an online business, because this is the second time that we're recording this, but that's just fine. It's perfect, right? Listen, and I- just because the internet
1: is a jerk Don't blame yourself. Every single person out there listening, you're going to have a tech screw-up this week. And guess what? The screw-up is not you. The screw-up is the internet. So don't let the internet make you feel bad.
0: I love it. So I'm really excited to talk to Annie. Um, We did an episode on her podcast around a month ago or something like that. And uh, Annie will be forever known as the person who invited me to Clubhouse.
1: (laughs) I'm very proud. I'm so (laughs) proud. I put it in my Christmas letter for next year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I just, uh, I just loved it because, like, we'd never met before. We jumped on your um, podcast to record, and you were just like, we just connected so quickly, and you were like, you need to be on Clubhouse. I'm going to invite you. What's your phone number? And uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to talk to you. One of the things that came up when we chatted last was just this whole topic of doing business the way that feels good to us, or allowing you know, allowing our creativity to really come through. And I really saw that in how you were speaking about your business, but also even just the podcast episode that you had me interviewed on and just like your layout and we can get to that. But before (laughs) we dive in, I would love to have you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do as an entrepreneur.
1: Absolutely. I am Annie P. Ruggles. I am the founder of the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy, calling out to coaches, healers, helpers, and other ask avoidant do-gooders who really <laughs> just want to help other people with their special gifts and talents, but struggle to receive in exchange. Uh, maybe that's because they've never been taught sales before. Maybe that's because the person that taught them sales does not have the same ethics, values, and style that they have. Have. Uh, but that is my main area of focus, especially selling with empaths and introverts.
0: Oh, that is so good. Um, I love the what what was the do gooders line that you had? Ask sales? avoidant. Do-gooders. Oh, ask avoidant. Okay. That's so good. <laughs> Cause I feel like, well, there's so much for us to talk about here in regards to receiving and just the talk of sales in general. I think for a lot of people brings up a lot of resistance. And um You know, Before we dive into that, I would love to know what has the journey been that has led you to this point in your business? How is it that you came to have this be your message as a coach?
1: First and foremost, I never, 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 never expected to teach sales ever. (laughs) If you would have asked me that at previous iterations in my career, I would have been like so depressed. I would have been like, what the hell do you mean I teach sales? That is Awful because the most sales avoidant person on earth was arguably me. Uh, (laughs) But I realized a long, 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 long time ago that my main passion is with working with very, very small, small businesses. I started marketing, doing theater marketing. Uh, I loved it on the small scale, got a job doing it on the big scale and hated it. Uh, had no clue why they gave me a marketing job. I was a receptionist and it was an inside hire situation and very strange, but I vowed myself like, I have no talent for marketing. I'm done with this. (laughs) But I decided that I wanted to join my passions of positive psychology and spirituality together back in like I don't know, sometime in the aughts and was like, hey, guess what? I'm going to be a life coach now and I'm going to be a happiness advocate and whimsy coach. And that was combining all these different things. And it was very idealistic and wonderful and sweet and bright eyed and adorable and now I look back on it and I was like, oh it's the <laughs> aw part of my career. But I started getting clients and I was like, heck yeah, this is working. But then I noticed that all my clients were other coaches who wanted me to tell them how I was getting clients, not how to right. get whimsy into their lives. And so I thought, okay, maybe I do have a natural talent for marketing, but I can't just lean on natural talent. I am uh gifted and cursed, but let's say gifted with obsessive compulsive disorders. So, when I decide to double down on something, I double down on it. And I decided I was going to become the expert on marketing for the new field of coaching at that point, which mm-hmm. was pretty new. And it still allowed me to have my focus on very, very small businesses. It made me really happy. I was doing a lot of writing back then. And I did that for many, 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 many years. But along the way, I picked up some clients of clients or, you know, some white label consulting or this or that. And I started to notice just under my skin that not all people who position themselves as helpful or filled with integrity or spiritual or any of it, not a lot of them Uh, are in this business or occupation for the right reason. And it's hurting the industry as a whole. And I was looking at the ways that they were selling and it just didn't work with me. And so I noticed more and more it was doubling down on my own sales avoidance because I'm like, well, if that's what sales is, I don't want it. Right. Right. But I watched and watched and watched my own clients market and market and market and brilliantly, the most brilliant, gorgeous people bending over backwards to serve others and not knowing how they're going to pay their phone bill. And I'm like, something is not right. We're doing all the social media. We're doing all the right steps. We're checking all the boxes. Why? And the answer was sales avoidance. So again, I was like, nope, we got to get these people across the finish line of sales. We have to help them have a win-win business, meaning that they are profiting too, that their needs are met too, symbiotically, simultaneously. And so I thought there's got to be something out there on how good people can sell well. And I couldn't find it. So I learned it and I made it. Mm -hmm. And here we are.
0: I love that. When you say sales avoidant, what does that mean exactly, you know, beyond just like not wanting to sell?
1: Well, first off, I think it's the fact that selling is very stigmatized, right? So it is in our best interest as humans to avoid things that we think are beneath us or are unaligned to us. Right. And if you look around at every piece of pop culture, at your own experiences being sold to, uh, it's not a very pleasant reputation. It's not a very pleasant experience because we've all been burned before. Right. So the first thing is looking at your relationship with sales and your perception of what that is. Right? That's the very first thing. If you're Mm -hmm. like, ah, I can't sell because I would be bad automatically, that's really got to be, you know, ground one. Before we look at anything else, we have to look at that. But where sales avoidance shows up beyond that kind of nasty, sleazy, slimy feeling is. In the hamster wheel of marketing, where you just market and, market and 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 tell everybody how great you are and never actually ask them to pay you. That's right. very, very common. And then the other one is, especially in in selling situations, you're delivering value. You're proving yourself. You're building rapport. You're building trust. They're adoring you. And then the time comes for you to say, hey. And the price for what you're asking me for is this. How does that land on you? But instead, you go, "Uh, so you know, we're at the sales portion now, and I don't want you to feel weird about this, Lauren. And I know that, like, we're friends. I mean, we haven't <laughs> known each other that long, but we have known each other for like a while, and we're clubhouse friends. And like, you know, so like, I don't normally do a friends and family discount, but because we're friends, I think we could. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: right. Or sometimes we're like, great, thanks so much for your time today. Bye.
0: Right. Without ever having
1: asked. Right. Oh, yeah. And then we say stuff like, no pressure. I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to be nasty. I don't want to twist your arm. I don't want to – We talk ourselves out of the sale. And And that is obviously dramatized for effect, but I have heard some stuff, y'all.
0: Oh, well, and you know what ends up happening is that you put that into the conversation. You leave people with that. That's the only reason that it might be there for them if you're saying – like no pressure they're going why should i feel pressured are you pressuring me whereas if you just never put that there <laughs> okay it if, yeah if you go, go ahead go
1: into a subway <laughs> meaning the sandwich shop and you say i really like a 6 inch turkey sandwich And across the counter, they go six inch. You know, you know, we have smaller sandwiches. Would you like a smaller sandwich? And also, are you sure you want the turkey? Because I mentioned turkey and I don't know if that's what you mentioned. So wait, a six inch turkey. Okay, well, hold on. Turkey is not the special of the day. The special of the day is tuna. But I could give you turkey for the tuna price. Okay, just don't tell anybody. What? Yeah. (laughs) You, You would run. You would run. You would call every health department you could think of. To be like, what is happening at this sandwich establishment, right? But, yeah. but that's what we do. That's what we do when we talk people out of hiring us, when we don't ask them properly, or when we let our own perception of selling, our own perception of pricing, our own relationship with either of those things creep into where we are supposed to be of service. It doesn't belong there.
0: Yes. And I feel like um, I'd like like to ask you because I know that there's probably steps that you have people follow in terms of really stepping into their power around selling. But I'd love to know first and foremost, like what is the key mindset shift? that? Because I really think it's like when we're in our power and we're confident, we know our value. We don't need to say any of those things because we're just like, of course, you're going to want to sign up to work with me. Right, Or buy my product or whatever. So what would you say that that I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of it, but that mindset shift that needs to happen so that people sell in their power and don't feel the need to bring any of that story in it into it? The number one thing,
1: and I'm gonna tailor my language here <laughs> uh, if you find me on social media with this quote, I, I use a different word, but the number one mindset shift is you are not allergic to sales. You are allergic to being sold to by buttheads. Mm, yes, And just because you've been sold too badly, it does not mean that the act of asking and receiving for fair compensation in exchange for what you're putting out into the world will somehow corrupt you, corrupt your value, or corrupt the impact that you have on other people's lives. Yes. Just because they sell terribly in a way that hurts your heart, your soul, your ethics, your morals, just because you can't see yourself in their shoes doesn't mean that you cannot sell. It just means that you have not yet learned how to do so effectively in keeping with your own ethics and heart.
0: Oh, that's so good it's so interesting just because everything you're saying are it totally things that I used to do earlier on. And I felt so like squeamish about continuously asking people for a sale. And then I would just be in this energy of, you know, all the things that you talked about. And I'm now it's so interesting because I recognize it in other people. And just over the weekend, I had a call with someone that I know personally, who is going to help me with something in my business. And I am so much more than willing to support them in their business in order to help me and I I hadn't like I I am very available to pay and where they immediately went was well because you're a friend you know all and I'm just like don't do that like just tell me what your price is I'll pay it right so like a lot of the time and I've done it the other way around too where I earlier on would tell them I was going to give them some discount and then find out later that they were more than ready and willing to pay the full price. But because I didn't ask for it or I devalued myself or I assumed that my money story was their money story, I jipped myself off of money that was, you know, trying to come in, not allowing myself to receive it. Yes. Right.
1: Absolutely. Now here's the thing. I am not anti friends and family incentive. Mm Mm-hmm. But why does it have to be a frickin' discount? Why can't it be a friends and family freebie where you add value? Why can't it be a friends and family fruit basket? You know, send them some Harry and David or whatever that company is called. Like... You know, why Why can't it be an add-on? Why can't it be an experience? Why can't it be a pure, beautiful deepening of your current relationship? How come it's suddenly like, well, you're my friends and family. Let me slash these prices without being asked. Because I have been asked by people that say, Annie, I can't afford your rate. Friends, family, and complete strangers. And how I handle that is how I handle that. But how I handle that is consistent to my friends, to my family, and to the people who can't. I say, you know what? I have payment plans. I have a ladder of services. Start here. I'll give you some homework. There's no rush on getting back to me. There's a million different ways that I can proceed and do proceed in that situation. But the second I happen to know someone and they get on the call with me, if I let in with the discounts, again, like you said, you're totally devaluing yourself as a legitimate business. And from an alignment standpoint, you're aligning yourself toward an imbalance.
0: yep, yeah, you're um, I mean, I've had that experience where I undercharge for something. And then the sale doesn't even come through because it doesn't actually feel to me like what I really wanted or it doesn't feel in alignment with the value that I know I'm providing to somebody else.
1: It's also just way too easy for resentment to creep in in places where resentment has no place being. Right. Right? Because if you want to help your friend – you want to yeah. help your friend. You want to help your family. You want to do something good for them. They want to rely on you. You want to provide that trust. But then, you know, this would this is what I would do all the time. Cautionary tale, do not do what I did. I would <laughs> comp things, extend things, discount things, right and left and right and left and right and left. And then, and that was based on my own lack of boundaries, right, right? But then I would go and I would turn around and I would want to hire that person for something or call upon a favor on them. And maybe the favor wasn't well-timed or maybe what they were offering was, you know, not an apples to apples comparison. But then when I didn't get what I perceived as the same amount of extra special care that I gave them, you know, maybe because they actually had boundaries where I did not, Then I was like, well, I've done so much for this person. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know that there were expectations and qualifications at play here. There weren't when I set it up, but it doesn't set me up for lifetime success or for a healthy, thriving relationship when I just start throwing discounts, discounts, discounts.
0: Right. So in your, if you could sum it up for us, what are non-sleazy sales? What sort of the the fundamentals as you teach it? The
1: fundamentals is... You sell people what they need, not what you want them to buy. Mm, yes. That's the whole thing.
0: Right. Because then there's no – you're not needing to convince anyone of anything. You're not need. – you're just right. providing them with an opportunity. I, I, is that is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Yes. And in every negative sales example, you – Purchase something that you should not have purchased, right. or you purchase something that you did not want and come to regret, or you purchase something that was beyond what you could afford. Right? Buyer's remorse happens because we buy stuff we shouldn't. Don't want your customers to have buyer's remorse? Don't sell them stuff you shouldn't sell them. It really is that simple. That is the only line standing between sleazy selling and non-sleazy selling. And then the other one is, in sleazy selling, that salesperson is prioritizing themselves and they're treating their buyer as a transaction and not as a human. Non-sleazy selling says, this person on the other end of this transaction is a person with needs and emotions and expectations and standards, and I'm going to ask that person to invest time, energy, faith, and yes, money and me. And in exchange, I'm going to give them this and they're going to give me this and we're both going to be happy.
0: I love that distinction so much because this is, I have a program running right now that's all about developing online offerings and how to launch them. And it's, The entire framework is built around like build things that you or offer things that you really believe in and put them in front of those that have been asking for them, right? That's it. That's the whole game and do it in a way that feels good to you. Um, And like that's really how I've built my entire business personally and that's why I don't feel like I sell. I feel like I just create these offers that I really believe in and then I tell people about them and the right people decide to buy. See, selling
1: for you is the act of
0: offering. Yeah. That's how you have (laughs) redefined
1: it. Of course. But that's how you have actively redefined it is I'm creating an offer that I believe in. I'm creating something that I know is valuable, powerful, life-changing even. And I'm saying, hey, do you want this? Here's how you can have it. You're not just saying, hey, do you want this? And then leaving them hanging. Because in a lot of ways, that does more harm than good.
0: What do you mean by leaving them hanging?
1: So, okay. The way that I rant about this, I don't know why. I guess I'm hungry because I brought up sandwiches before and I don't even like Subway, but we're going (laughs) to switch and we're going to talk about chocolate cake. Okay. Perfect. So what if you decide today that you're throwing in the towel and you're going to give up everything you've been working toward because it doesn't matter to you. And the only thing that matters to you is your grandmother's famous chocolate cake recipe that you have inherited. Okay? You are like, yes, I am going to be the chocolate cake person. I'm into it. You go to every grocery store during a pandemic. You carefully craft the ingredients, you test it, you special order the plates, you get special lighting, right? You you tweak and you test and you taste and you do like 19 different chocolates to make sure that it's exactly right. And meanwhile, you're documenting everything on Instagram and you're going on Clubhouse and you're talking about cake and you're saying, oh, wow, wait till you experience this cake. And then you start saying grand opening for the cake. So you're running ads on the cake. You're running ads to the cake and you're social media posting the cake and you're cross-promoting in the cake, and you're doing a podcast about the cake, and everyone comes to your grand opening, and you're pumping fragrance of the cake through the vents, and the cake <laughs> comes out, and everyone is salivating money in hand, and they're ready, and the cake comes out, and it's an itty-bitty cake by a glass box. They can't touch it, they can't eat it, there are no samples. All they can do is smell a delicious cake that you've been offering them For months. That's what I mean by leaving them hanging. That's what I mean by leaving them hanging. That is what happens when we have sales calls or discovery calls. And at the end, we chicken out of making the ask because we don't want to take the good rapport that we've built and cheapen it. No, no, it's not cheapening it. It's having yourself be included in the compensation, right? It has to have. A beginning, a middle, and an end. And the ask is part of the middle. The yes, no, or maybe is the end.
0: I love that. <laughs>
1: I'm here, I want some chocolate cake now. Right. <laughs> Right? But that's what it is. It's like, you know, if you're saying it's so much more when, when it isn't just cake. If you're saying you could change your life, you can radically, radically change your life. All the buzzwords imaginable about living the life of pure creation that other people can only fantasize about by being your truest self. And if you tell me every single day that I am capable of change, if only I will partner with you and you never take me by the hand and offer... Then what are you doing? Except building me up just to drop
0: me back down. That's exactly what we're doing to people when we're like putting our content out there, and it's from the heart, and it's and it's like I know that people that listen to this podcast have every good intention in the world, and they're here to serve, and they're here to make a difference in, with their businesses and with their message, and. You're doing that and then shooting yourself in the foot when you're not like, and here's how you can work with me so that I can help you change your life, right? Like, we fall short on that part. And it's so bad. It's so bizarre when you really think about it. It's
1: also really unattractive, right? right? To your point from before, is like, I don't know where we got it in our heads. You know what? It's very like middle school, early high school. Like, well, if I'm mean to myself, if I'm self deprecating, then all the boys will like me. And it's like, what? How does that make sense? Like, excuse me, if I tell you that I'm really, really, really extra grateful for your business, but that like, I don't really deserve it because like, they're so good and I'm brand new, but like, oh my God, I'm not new, but I am new. But like, maybe if I just show them that selling is uncomfortable for me, they'll know that I'm a good person and they'll buy from me. No, (laughs) they will buy from you if you're
0: a good person who sells confidently. Yes, it's that part. It's the confidence in like, because I literally tell people now, you know, when I'm doing a, a, I've been doing this for a while, but when I'm doing some sort of like free training and I'm upselling into a paid offer, I tell people why I developed it for them to buy it. Like I tell them. If this is what you want this type of business this is the program for you and if you're being called towards it you need to get into it like it's not it's not a coincidence you know but it's like coming from that confidence is such a different energy right um such a different energy when someone believes in what they're doing to the point where it's just not even a question in their mind that when they talk about it people will buy it like it's attractive when someone believes that much in their offers to the point where they're not questioning themselves at all. Like, it is a really attractive energy that you are drawn towards.
1: Yes. I mean, but look at the language you just said, okay? You just said, if you feel called to this, sign up. You said that with a whole lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Other people could take that exact phrase and use it as a crutch. Right. If you feel right. called to, I mean, if you don't feel called to, then right, all the stuff that I've done a million times, only if you feel called to it, check with your right. guides, check with your angels, <laughs> check with it all. Like, okay, cool. If you're saying that because you really want them to check with their guides and angels and everything to make sure that this is in alignment, awesome, fabulous way to know your people. But if you're saying, well, only
0: if you feel called to it as a cop-out. Right. I love that distinction because it's true. Like the energy you're coming from is literally everything. And when I'm saying it, like it really, I really believe people need to be in the program, but I also know that the program is not for every single person on the planet. Right. It was never designed to be. Everyone's got a different. So it's like, and I only want the people who are really confident that it is for them. Like, those are the people that I'm ready to work with, but you're Mm -hmm. right. And I think earlier on in my business, I probably did do things like that. Like only if you're, you know, if you're feeling called to it, like, and it's just, it's floppy and it's, (laughs) it's not, yeah, it just doesn't, it's not compelling.
1: It's not compelling. It's not very professional, you know, which is also, (laughs) I always feel so delightfully hypocritical when I talk about professionalism because I have (laughs) right now I have pigtails like, I'm in my very weird, wacky office. Like, I just ranted at you about cake and I'm talking about <laughs> professionalism. But like, yeah, I'm ranting at you about cake for a purpose. When I go to sell to you, if I shoot myself in the foot, what the heck was the purpose of that?
0: Right. That's I more pro-
1: unprofessional. Geez. Yeah.
0: The professionalism you're talking about is like your being, right? Your identity. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with yes. what you're wearing. It's like I'm committed to my clients and what they're here for. And I'm the person to help them make it happen. It doesn't matter how you're and in fact, I think the more authentic you're showing up in that energy, the more professional it is. At least in you know, in this whole world of, of um coaching and and more like the spiritually minded entrepreneurs, if you will, right? You're here to be authentic and to show others to do the same. Yeah. So Um, I, I want to dive into what we were talking about. I can't remember if it was during your episode or if it was on either side, but I think I commented on like the very unique, um, way in which you approached recording episodes to your podcast. And we can, we can get into that just so that they have a little bit of a visual, but I, it came up that way. And I was like, I just love that you're like being so creative about it. And it's interesting. Like my background is visual arts and yours is theater. Right. Um, yeah. And we've both had this experience where the more we are allowing ourselves to do things our way, the more successful we are. And you actually said something like that to me on when we were chatting last. So could you speak to that a little bit um, in what your experience has been when you kind of started taking your own inspiration and intuition over anyone else's advice or over what anyone else told you you should be doing to grow your business? hmm I think it was more...
1: I look at it as I was in marble or something of my own making. Like some yeah. of it's trauma, some of it's just conditioning, whatever. But I was so intentionally self-protected it, by expectations, by by professionalism, by all these different things that I was constantly trying to figure out what archetype I should shift into in that moment, right? So, I mean, when I was in software, I did not get to do nearly as much yelling about cake and flailing and all the things that I do <laughs> now, because now that is my business. But that has always been me. That has always been me. Like the me now that shows up for my work is the me that my family knows is the me that my friends see the, the person, my friends and family listen to the podcast and I love them for that. Even though they don't have small businesses because it's like, feels like hanging out with me. That is the most beautiful feedback that I've gotten. It's like, Oh, it's like hanging out. Like, that's what I want. I want it to be actionable. But, but I think for me it was removing shoulds that I put on myself, removing shoulds that previous people that didn't really get it maybe had thrust upon me, and also just saying, okay, you hear a million, billion, trillion, zillion times, you're not for all people. Not everybody's going to like you. Just whatever, you know, dive in, do it anyway. But I was always so scared that I would chip off a layer and then wind up putting half of it back on. And then chip off a layer and then wind up putting a half of it back on. And it's not that I'm like suddenly not terrified of haters or any of those things. I am. I am terrified of those things. But I also have made myself realize that the more myself I am, the better protected I am by myself, the better I sleep at night because I showed myself, the better I'm Mm -hmm. able to connect with people that are looking for me when I am myself. And honestly, the haters don't come around all that much because they're like, she's crazy. I'm not going near her. Like, whoa, (laughs) what is all that? But really, it's just me saying I am living without apology as to my style. I am living without apology as to my ethics and morals. And I am living without apology as to how I take up space in this world. And Mm. that's an it's an unfolding. I got a lot more work to do. But when I stopped hiding behind story, when I stopped hiding behind cuteness, when I stopped trying to make sure that I was competing with Marie Forleo or whoever, (laughs) like that's Marie. Good for her. If I start dressing and talking like Marie, I'm not going to hire, the Marie's clients are not going to have a mutiny and come over to me just because I'm (laughs) turning into a Marie clone. So what is that? Instead, I'm like, what part of me is the best part to reach out and be heard by people that need to hear me? And for me, that answer was just me, unadorned me, weird, pigtailed, loud me. Because that's how I can get my point across the best, because
0: that's my natural state. Oh, I love this topic because so the way I've described it from an energy perspective, it's all about, you know, where you're operating from. And if you're trying to be somebody else, so you're you're thinking you need to do things the way someone else has done them, you're operating from a place of lack, right? You're operating from a place of not good enough. Um, and when you are marketing yourself and your services from a place of not good enough you you're not <laughs> you're not attracting the abundance that's rightfully yours when you are seeing yourself who you are what makes you you as being enough and being who you need to be in order to have all the success that you want And developing your your offers and your messaging from that, it's just a completely different energy that you're coming from, right? It's a place of abundance. It's a place of enoughness. And that's how you attract more of that. So I'd love to know from you, what, what does that look like in your business specifically?
1: In my business, it looked like giving myself permission to say what I wanted to say first and foremost, and then refine it after, instead of trying to come up with a tone, create a certain, you know, framework, and then fill myself into it. Now it's like, nope, nope. Be yourself first, put the container on after, right? Even right. just that, right? Like I can, I can jazz myself up. I haven't said any potty mouth words other than I think I said butthead earlier in the podcast. My podcast is not the same. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's explicit. So go ahead. You know what I mean? But I just said like butthead. But like I can clean it up. You know what I mean? I can, I can put on a brave face. If I go in for a TED Talk, you know, I'll wear all black like all the TED Talk people do for whatever reason, even though the stage is black. I'm sorry. I'm totally off topic now. But what I'm saying is like I, I can play the game. And I will play the game. And I will show up and I will make sure that I'm doing my accounting and, you know, sending my contracts and my follow-ups and my thank you notes and this and that. I will make sure that my behavior is appropriate for the role that I have stepped into. But beyond that role, I have to handle things with my own truth first, and then I can find a way to shape it into a keynote speech or a sales email segment
0: or firing a client on my own terms. So yes, I disagree with everything that you're saying. And in regards to, because you have like quite a creative approach to your business. And when I was getting ready for my podcast episode with you, you were asking like, like, can you explain the sort of the structure of each of your interviews that you do on your podcast, yes. just because you're going to do it better than I do.
1: <laughs> so my beloved jewel, too legitimate to quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. Uh, one of my core values is try not to bore people. And <laughs> I really, really love marketing and small business podcasts. And a lot of them are really, really boring. <laughs> Uh, And I love that because I love the information. But for me, I was like, all right, don't add to the sea of boredom. Try to shake it up. But the way that I've always looked at things in my life, I don't know why, but I've always had this uncanny ability to consume pop culture and derive some deep meaning from it which if you think about it, like everything has a moral, everything has a theme. We learn that in grade school English, right? So it's not like the writers don't necessarily think of these things, but I just started seeing lessons everywhere. And especially when I was doing my marketing self-study and then my sales self-study, I was like, wow, that's hard for a girl with a lisp to say. Sales self-study. There you go, everybody. You can do it too. But when I was um, doing all of that, I would just notice, like I'd be watching Golden Girls and I'm like, oh, that's perfect. That's a perfect example of this, or that's a perfect example of that. And so originally when I planned TLTQ, it was just going to be me, my pop culture nerdery, my lane of expertise. And I thought, nah, That's not good enough. That's not enough value. And so now what I do is I bring experts like you in (laughs) to nerd out on the, you know, TEDx portion of the first half of the episode, and then we transition into gleaning some references, some lessons, some touch points from one of their favorite pieces of pop culture. And that's how it goes.
0: And I just, like... I I mean, I had to think, I'm like a pop culture reference for what I talk about. And obviously I talked about the matrix, (laughs) Um, but it really made me realize like, you're right. Like, like, I mean, my podcast is no exception. It's a lot of the same kind of content. And so when I was on your podcast, I'm like, I've never been interviewed like this before. I've never seen a podcast approached this way. And that was just so a reflection of you, right. And you leaning into your creativity and saying that even though, Nobody's done something like this. That's not a reason not to. If anything, that's a reason to do it this way. Yeah.
1: But it's just me combining my column A nerdness with my column B nerdness. So anybody (laughs) out there
0: listening, combine two of your passions. I mean, like what you're saying though, that's why people are drawn to you because you're just being yourself, right? And that – and you – coming from your own place of creativity and who you are and what makes you you <laughs> is allowing you to to speak, you know, very confidently and you know what your value is and you know who you are and you know who you help and all of that is just this very like compelling energy essentially like this is the aligned entrepreneur podcast we're just constantly talking about energy and it's like what you're talking about is so much of what I teach to people and what has helped me to be successful is like the more that I allow it to be what suits and makes sense for me, the more money I make. Yes. Right.
1: Because also the more you lean into, now, not that fun is high on everybody's list of values, but it is very high on the list of mine. And for me, talk about alignment. I know that a job is a job is a job. I have to tell clients and would be clients the ones I don't take all the time this like well it's a job. No you're not going to love it 24 hours a day. It's a job. Still a job. Have to pay yeah. taxes, still a job. <laughs> but beyond that uh you know jobbiness for me if I am having fun, it is because I'm in alignment and if I'm in alignment, it's because I'm having
0: fun. I love that you brought that up because lately, especially for me, like this is so much of the coaching I'm giving other people, and so much of what I'm doing myself is like, how can I have more fun with this? And I realized even just over the weekend that my approach to Instagram has always been like, what I see other people doing, or what I think is going to be shared, or how should I blah, blah, blah. And finally, I just realized like, are you making Instagram fun for you in all the ways that you could? Like, what would be fun for you? And I realized, like, it's a much more creative approach to my Instagram feed and not really caring about what I should be doing. And I've been doing this in other aspects of my business for years. I don't know why it took me so long with Instagram. But anyways, it's like, how can you bring the most fun into each thing that you do in your business? Because like you said, fun equals alignment.
1: Yes. Delight yourself first. You're in this (laughs) business by yourself. If you're not doing it in part for your own delight, what are you doing it for? Go get something with health insurance. Come
0: on. (laughs) So you talked at the beginning of the episode about receiving and, you know, the whole thing about non-sleazy sales and um, who it is that you help and you essentially really help people to be open to more receiving. And I I think this comes up a lot, especially for women entrepreneurs. I had a good good conversation with a close friend of mine just the other day who's like, she makes, you know, she's, she's quite successful and she still has this thing about allowing herself to receive or allowing herself to receive above a certain amount. So I don't know if we've spoken explicitly about receiving on this podcast. And I would love to hear from you. What are some of the sort of distinctions you walk people through who are realizing that they need to get better at receiving in order to make more money in their business or to sell, you know, from that place of just conviction and not like not being weird about the sale?
1: Look at the role models in your life of people that have sold to you beautifully. Mm. Most of those people, are probably people that you don't even consider to be selling to you. Right. right. So if you go to Walgreens and behind the COVID plexiglass, you know, they say, hey, I don't know, whatever you wanted that day, they just say, hey, thanks so much for coming in. Would you like to donate a dollar to charity? And you say, well, what's it for? And they say, well, you know, it's for these little kids. Aren't they cute? Da, da, da. And you're like, yeah, I'll give you a buck. Hey, guess what? That's a sale. It's a sale. If it's a person, if it's a coach who convinces you to do something that you don't want to do, but you desperately want to do, and they help you get over the hurdle, they're selling you on growth. If a teacher is teaching your little kid who does not want to learn it math, but the kid is learning it and doing their damn homework, guess what? That's a sale. So look at. The transactions that are happening around you that you don't even see as transactions because they seem effortless, seamless, or important. Okay. And start redefining how you sell based on those examples. Then I want you to look at your sleazy competitors and the people that have sold to you badly in the past. And I want you to say, I'm not them. And then take action items to make sure that that's true. I want you to get very nitty gritty. I want you to get very granular about what tactics, what uh, what strategies, what gimmicks they use that made you feel less than great and eradicate them from your business. Really, write yourself a permission slip to never do those things and then strategize against it. But the last and most important thing is get your brain around the idea that receiving makes it a win-win, not yes. a cheapened situation. And you know that if you go to see your favorite musician of all time and you pay up the wazoo for a ticket <laughs> and you go, are you resentful that that already no. super wealthy person is making money? No, No, you're not. Why? Because she or he or they is sharing their gift of song with you and it's giving you exactly what you need. What is your equivalent of that? What is the equivalent of that gift? Why shouldn't you be compensated for that? Why shouldn't you be?
0: I love the win-win analogy that you just gave because it's so true. And I, I say to people often, like, think of your pricing as benefiting your, your buyers as much, if not more than it benefits you. (laughs) Right. I I really feel like I do people a favor by charging them more at this point, because I know that they're going to get more or be more committed to, you know, the program that they're stepping into or whatever it is. Um, is there a connection that you work through people around receivership and worthiness?
1: Don't be a martyr. Don't be a martyr. If you feel like you need to take away from yourself in order to give back, why? Why is that? Because there's no answer. If you Byron Katie 5, why is that? It goes nowhere. Why am I telling this person not to pay me? Well, they can't afford it. Okay, why? (laughs) Why can't they afford it? Not on them, on you. Why can't they afford it? Well, maybe I'm not offering them the right product. Why? Well, that's all I have to offer them right now. Okay, Why? Because I'm otherwise focused. All right, that means this person isn't the right client for me. Build them up with resources and release them if you need to. Or why am I telling this person not to hire me? Why am I telling this person not to pay my full fee? Well, because this feels awkward. Why? Because I'm not very good at selling yet. Why? Because this feels really foreign to me. Why? Because I feel like I'm hurting them. Why? I don't know why I'm not hurting them. I'm delivering value. Yes. You know, like it's really just that simple. It's It starts with self-awareness, then self-forgiveness, then self-advocacy. Are you advocating for yourself? Are you making sure that your needs are met? You only have one life. You only have seven days. You only have 24 hours like all of the rest of us. If you are just constantly depleting yourself and depleting yourself and depleting yourself with no concern, for what's keeping your lights on, your needs met, your family fed, then you're going on a very, very quick train to burnout and taking a lot of your dreams down along the way.
0: <laughs> well said. Um <laughs> I just love everything because I love, I love um how just matter of fact you are about it, because I think we have this way of talking about these topics with a real like nice bow on top. And it's like, at the end of the day, you're worthy. Other people are worthy of your services. Charge for them. Believe in them. Yes. Whatever work you need to get to that place. That's it. We don't need to make it more complicated than that.
1: Yes, exactly. A hundred (laughs) percent. Period.
0: Love it. Um, So Annie, I would love to know how – or our audience, perhaps, would love to know how people can connect with you and work with you on on uh, within your business. Actually,
1: so I have a free challenge called "Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy." It's about forty five minutes long. Gem after gem, I've been told, if you are grappling with sales avoidance, go seek that out. It's at anniepruggles.com slash easy not sleazy. But my very, very favorite thing to do is have conversations with people. So what I'm going to recommend is if this is resonating with you, find me on Instagram at Anniepreneur and shoot me a DM or come follow me on Clubhouse. I'm normally where Lauren is. Just find us on Clubhouse, get up here, raise your hand, and we'll have a conversation. And on Clubhouse, I'm at
0: APR. Perfect. We will link all of those things in the show notes. And uh, I just thank you so much, Annie, for bringing all your value and your energy. It's infectious and uh, it's empowering listening to you talk about these things and – also very actionable. And I, yeah, I just really appreciate your time. So thanks so much for being here with us. It is a true, authentic pleasure. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Aligned Entrepreneur podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or you got value from it, it would mean the world to me if you'd share it on your Instagram stories and give the podcast a five-star review, which helps me to get this message out into the ears and the hearts of those who can benefit from it. And I'll see you guys next episode.